there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Vampires are mythological or folkloric beings who subsist by feeding on the life essence, generally in the form of blood, of living creatures, regardless of whether they are undead or a living person. I got that off of Wikipedia. The literary historian Brian Frost wrote, Belief in vampires and blood-sucking demons is as old as man himself. The first recorded use of the old Russian word for vampire, upir, I don't know if I'm saying that right, I don't speak Russian, but it's U-P-I-R, is in a document dated 1047 A.D. What we're talking about is vampires. And the reason we're talking about vampires is because kids now like to dress up and act like they're vampires. And they go get fake teeth and wear those, and they wear black fingernail polish and all this black stuff, and they get all these pasty white faces and stuff. And it's interesting because the more you read about it, the more you see that this 19th century thing for this vampirism, this fad today, you know, it's big. It's big business. Books and movies and all this vampire stuff. It's really huge these days. But what it has turned into is different from what it was when it started off. The signs of being a vampire, instead of being gaunt and pale, were being plump and rosy because these people were dining on other people's blood. So they were plumper. They would find a corpse that instead of being pale and drawn, was plump and rosy because it shouldn't be. A corpse should look like a corpse, but when it doesn't, they would realize it was a vampire. That was, that was the thing. It was too plump, too rosy, too much flush in the cheeks to be a corpse, so it was a vampire. It's interesting, though, that the fad has changed it all, turned it into the exact opposite, and now it is a fashion statement. If you have not read The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, I recommend the book. It's a very interesting picture of psychic vampires. Because C.S. Lewis was a Christian, the book is basically a Christian book. It doesn't say psychic vampires. It talks about demons, and the main demon being Screwtape. And he has all these other underlings who write letters, and he writes letters to the demons, and the demons write letters to him, telling them about the specific problems they're having trying to dine off of this person or that person would be you, of course. And it's very enlightening, and it's very interesting, and I recommend that you read it. Esoteric Gospels point toward things which drain our force, feeding on our life essence. And in the Gospels, in an outer way, they're called demons. But esoterically, it's something else. Gurdjieff spoke of two sheep farmers who harvest meat and wool from sleeping humanity. It's interesting to note that he used the word farmer, sheep farmer, not sheep herder. And if you look up farmer and if you look up herder and apply it to sheep, you will see that a person who keeps a herd watches over the flock, but a person who farms uses them for his own purposes. And so he used sheep farmer, two people who used the sheep for their own purposes without any return for the sheep. The sheep are getting nothing out of it. They're not being watched over. They're just being farmed. The difference between a shepherd and a farmer. I think it's important to note that. I think that Gurdjieff specifically 
picked farmer rather than herder because he wanted us to note that. He wanted us to note that these things internally that drain us of force give us nothing back. They are simply taking, taking, taking from us, and we get nothing from it. They're not watching over us in any way. Whereas we think that our negative states protect us, watch over us, keep us safe, guard us, and they give us knowledge on what to do and what not to do. And what Gurdjieff was saying and what all this esoteric literature is saying is that's not the case. It may appear that way to you, but you're deluded, you're wrong. It's not that way. They're taking and giving nothing back. They're draining you of your life essence, of your life force. Vampires are popular today because there's a pressing message for mankind in it. We probably, more than any other time in history, have our force drained on a daily basis more than man ever has before. Look at all of the things just in an outer way that can take you away from life, that can take you away from your life. There's almost no reason to live a life today. You can have entertainment, you can have things to do forever and never have to concern yourself at all with being alive, with dealing with the old wicked world or what to do about this or what to do about that. Our work is to understand this teaching for the purpose of transformation of our being. We're here to learn to live more consciously in everyday affairs. In everyday affairs, I'm not asking you to live more consciously once a week. Anybody can do that. I'm not asking you to live more consciously once a month at a seminar or at a meeting. I'm asking you to live more consciously every day in your daily affairs. I'm asking you to do that because I think that that's the only way that you will progress. You will not progress on a weekly basis or a monthly basis beyond a certain point. You will get to a certain point and then you will stagnate. You'll stay right there and you won't go any further. All the work that is done after that will be in imagination. Until you take this on a daily basis, until you take this to your mundane daily affairs, until you do that, you will not make the kind of progress that you want to make. And we all want to make progress. Even in the fourth way, this whole idea is missed. What is it that stops us? I mean, we all know what we need to do. Why are we not doing it? What stops us? Here's another example from esoteric writings. The disciples came to him and asked him, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now, a lot of people look at this on a surface level and they say, well, that's not fair. And a lot of people will look at it and say, that's exactly how it works. The rich get richer and the poor get babies or the poor get poorer, whatever you happen to have heard. And so they look at it that way and that's it. And they just stay right there and have their force drained and never understand anything deeper about it. Never understand that that's a parable that means something else. That it's talking about not the outer thing that we've stuck on, but it's talking about something inside that we are unaware of. The first pitfall of esotericism catches the majority. Most people collect more knowledge than they can digest. And what happens then is just like any other food that you collect that you can't digest. Imagine if you kept putting food in your stomach and it never digested. What would it do? It would rot, just like if you put it on a compost heap. In fact, it would rot fast because your stomach has got all that heat and moisture and darkness in there, and it would breed all kinds of things to eat it. It would rot, and you would bloat. 
And eventually, if you didn't get it out, it would kill you. That's what would happen. So digestion is very important. Without digestion, it all turns to poison. The food that would be put into your body, if you didn't digest it, would turn to poison and it would kill you. It's good to understand what we're talking about. This is the first pitfall of esotericism. This is the pit that most people fall into. This is the thing they fall into and they can't climb out of. They collect more knowledge than they can digest, and then it begins to rot. And then the whole teaching becomes rotten for them. It all falls on the wrong place, and it actually starts to poison them. And instead of getting what they wanted, they get the opposite. Again, from esoteric literature. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. Even what he has will be taken from him. If you collect, in the case of Moses from Exodus, they were collecting manna. In the night, this dew would lay on the ground, and then when the sun came up, it would all start to disappear. But if they went out and collected it at a certain time, it wasn't dew, it turned into these flakes, and they called it manna. Manna meant, what is this? And so they would collect it, and they were told to collect just enough for the day, an omer, so it was a certain measuring amount per person for the day. And then they would cook it and eat it, and that was their sustenance for the day. And some people, no matter what they collected, nobody had too much and nobody had not enough. So everybody was getting exactly what they needed, as long as they were collecting it consciously. But then they started to collect it mechanically. And what happened was they went out and they took more than they needed. And then they kept it. They didn't use it that day. They kept it until the next day. And when they opened it up the next day to eat it, they found that it had gotten wormy and became foul. And this is exactly what happens with this teaching if you don't use it every day. You don't use it every day. It breeds worms and it becomes foul. It rots. And then it doesn't do you any good. In fact, if you take it then, it does harm to you. So this work, as Gurdjieff said, and as I've said a number of times, can be very dangerous. If you don't digest it properly, it can hurt you. What is it that drains us of our life essence daily? What is it that drains us of our conscious force? Really, that's what we're talking about. The reason that the the vampire thing is so important is because esoterically, the blood represents the life. Scripturally, people were told not to eat the blood because the life was in the blood. The life essence was in the blood. They were told not to eat the blood. What does that really mean? What is it that we're talking about? We're talking about the life essence, the conscious force. What is it that drains us of our conscious force? It takes from you giving nothing back. Identifying and considering our vampires that suck us dry every day. Every single day, you can be counted on to have these two things sucking your life force, sucking your life blood, sucking your energy, identifying and internal considering. Those two things do drain you every day. You identify, and every single day, when you identify, you internally consider. Those two things go together. One leads to the next. You identify, and then you internally consider. They are vampires, and they are daily vampires, vampires that drain you every day. As we are, mechanically, force is drained from us. Think of some of the ways that force is drained from us every day. Worry. Worry drains force. Anxiety. Being anxious drains force. How does being anxious drain force? Curtis was a good example this morning. He was fidgeting and his leg was going. What was all that happening in the moving center? All that happening in the moving center was force being drained. 
there's two ways to deal with it. One is to allow the force to be drained. The other way is to become aware of what is happening. Okay, my moving center is giving me a sign, is showing me that something is going on inside of me that I'm not aware of. Something is working in me. I'm not giving this force away. I'm not moving my leg and fidgeting because I want to. I'm doing it unconsciously. So something is making me do that. What is that something? And he tracked it down. And when he tracked it down, he could see that there was anxiety that was draining his force. And one of the ways, one of the ways, just only one of the ways, the way that he saw that it was draining his force was through the moving center. But it was also draining his force intellectually and emotionally. And as he looked past the moving center, he saw that it was also draining his force intellectually and emotionally. Getting negative. Huge vampire. That's Dracula. That's like the big daddy of vampires. Getting negative. I mean, look at what it costs you to get negative. And look at how much time you spend negative. Oh, hardly any time at all. Oh, right. And that just tells me that he comes out at night. He stalks around in the darkness when you can't see him. And you don't even know when you've been bitten. You don't even know when you've had some blood drained. You don't even know. Maybe you notice a couple little puncture marks here, but you put a scarf over that so that nobody else notices it. So you're into denial about it. What do you do? You cover it up. He does it in the darkness, and then in the light, you cover it up. Isn't this exactly what we do? And all the other forms of identifying that we, I can't even say participate in, that we allow our force to be drained from us, that we allow these little bloodsuckers to attach to us and drain us. We've got the big daddy vampire, negative emotions. We've got this other one over here, worry. We've got this other one over here. But then we've got these little leeches attaching to us all day long and just draining drops and drops and drops of blood. Do you know that leeches can kill you? I mean, I'm not talking about disease. I'm talking about they can actually just drain you to death. Yes, you can get enough leeches on you to drain you to death. Just little leeches that don't really suck that much blood. But, you know, you don't really have all that much blood. And you can't reproduce it fast enough to feed the leeches, to feed the vampires. Remember yourself. We hear this a lot. Why? Because remembering yourself is like a garland of garlic around your neck. Well, what's so great about that? Well, I can tell you what's so great about that. If you can keep it from draining your force in the first place, it's a whole lot better than trying to get that force back after it's been drained. Another way of saying that is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I know it's trite, and it's unfortunate that it's trite, but it's not trite. We are. If I say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, and something inside you goes, oh, blah, 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 you're trite. You're being mechanical and trite and unconscious. And what you need to do is pay attention and dig deeper. Because understanding is a force that you must create in yourself. But you can't create that force in yourself if you're being negative. And if you're pishying something, you're being negative. And you're letting that drain force so that you can't create the force of understanding and understand what you're pishying. If anyone remembers himself... It stops this terrible draining of force taking place through continual identifying. Look, the moment that you begin to remember yourself, in that very moment, that's like holding up a cross or splashing holy water on the vampire. I'm going to use a lot of these little things because this is all in the collective unconscious and a lot of people will understand this. And I want to make an impression on you. I want you to see that this thing is foul, that these things that drain our force are unholy. They're not wholesome. 
They're not good for us, and they're not returning anything for what they're taking. That's the most important thing that you need to realize. They're not giving anything back to you. You think your negative emotions give you something, but they're not giving you anything. They're only taking from you. Maurice Nicole said, we make the most trivial and silly things of enormous importance. Yes, we do. Remember the laborer, the parable of the laborers. This guy, he goes out to the street and he says to these people early in the morning, he says, well, what, um, where, what are you doing out here? He says, well, nobody's hired us. He said, well, come on, come and work in my field. So they went. Then he goes back out a few hours later, three hours later, and there's some other guys standing out there. He says, well, what are you doing standing around? He says, well, nobody's hired us. He says, well, come and work in my field. And I'll give you what's right. And he told the first ones he'd give them this certain wage. And so they, they agreed, and they went into the field. And then the next ones, he said, I'll give you what's right. He didn't tell them what he'd give them. He said, I'll give you what's right. And then, the ne- and then he went out later. And then he went out later, and then he went out later. And just one hour before the day was ending, the 11th hour, because it was 12-hour days back then, he went out and he got these other guys. And he said, what are you doing standing out here all day? He said, well, nobody hired us. He said, well, come in my field, I'll give you what's right. And so those guys went and worked for an hour, and the other guys worked for 12 hours and 6 hours and 8 hours and different times. So he said, okay, time to pay up. And he said, bring the last ones first, the ones he hired last. And he gives them what he agreed to give the guys who worked all day. And the guys who worked all day, they saw these other guys getting the same thing that he gave them that he agreed to give them, they thought, oh, we're going to get more. Surely we're going to get more. And when they got there, he gave them what they agreed upon. And they said, well, you gave those guys more. He said, so? What's that got to do with you? Didn't you agree to work for this amount? Well, yes, I did, but you gave those guys more, and we bore the heat of the day, and they only worked for an hour. He said, so? He said, this is mine to give as I choose. Or what? Are you just jealous because I'm generous and you're not? So you see, here's one guy giving away something, and another guy looks at it, and he says, well, well, he shouldn't be doing that. And that is force being drained from us. That's a negative emotion. That's internal considering. That's identifying. Identifying with something that's not yours, but you're making it yours. And that's what identifying means. It means ownership. It means you own it. It means it becomes you. You cannot tell the difference between you and it. You think you are it. It means you now own it, so it's yours, and so you're identified with it. And now, whatever happens to it, happens to you. So if you're given away, now you have reason to be upset. So that's internal consideration, and that's identifying. We make the most trivial and silly things of enormous importance. Gurdjieff said, identifying is the most terrible illness on this planet. I don't care how you say it. I want you to understand it. I want you to understand that this thing that drains our force is the big curse of humanity. It's the curse of our planet. We identify with everything, and it's costing us everything, and we don't even know it. When we're thoroughly identified, we're mesmerized. And then we're used by the sheep farmers. We're used by the vampires who are taking and returning nothing. Eventually, it will kill you. Remember the story of Dracula. Remember the story about how he goes to Lucy and not just once and then drains her blood and kills her. No, he goes back again and again, night after night after night, and drains a little more and a little more and a little more until it finally kills her. And that's the way this is. It's not something that gets you all at once. And she didn't even really know it, what was happening. She, all she knew is she was having terrible dreams. Think of the nightmares you wake up in, if you're lucky enough to wake up in them. Some people have to go right through them. Some people live in them continually. But you, because it's been given to you to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, you get to wake up in them. You get to wake up a little. You get to see what it is that you've fallen into. You get to see what it is that you're doing. And you get to do something about it. Just seeing it is doing something about it. 
Rather than collecting these ideas and putting them in a display case, use them. Find something new upon which to work today. Some untouched form of identifying. Yes, yes, we all know that we identify in this form and that form. We're good at that. We now know some of the things. We know our pet peeves. We know the things that we do. Let's find something new that we do every day. And let's work on that. Well, how do you work on that? Work on becoming aware of it every time you do it. That's what I mean by work on that. I don't mean work on that and change it. I don't mean work on that and fix it, stop doing that. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to stop identifying. I'm asking you to begin to notice when you're identified. Then begin to separate. But first, notice when you're identified. Notice how you're identified. Notice where you're identified. Notice what sucked you into it. What is it that mesmerized you? What is it that put you into that hypnotic state where you just went with it? When you know not to go with those eyes, but you went with them anyway. How did you get mesmerized? You know not to let a vampire look into your eyes. You know not to let a vampire do this, you know, these hand movements that put you to sleep. You know not to do that. Then what is it that made you do that? How is it that you did not recognize this vampire that came to suck your blood? How is it that you did not recognize the sheep farmers who came to get your wool and get the meat? How is it you didn't recognize that? See, this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to look deeper. I'm asking you to pay more attention to the smaller details of your life and how you identify and how you got there. And then, after you've gotten what you can get from it, then separate. You'll separate as soon as you begin to see it. As soon as you begin to see it, that's a little bit of separation. But the more you look at it, the more you will separate from it. How? How? By interaction, give yourself the first conscious shock of self-remembering. Connect it to the ideas that this work teaches. Connect it to any esoteric ideas that you can think of. Some people come from a Christian background. Some people come from a Jewish background. Some people come from a Muslim background. I don't care what your background is. Use anything from your background that will help you, that will cue you, that will make you aware of something higher. So if you can remember some work idea, great. Not considering, not identifying, not justifying, not being all full of self-pity. Oh my gosh, this is a big one for us. Self-pity. It's amazing how much self-pity we indulge in, isn't it? Think about how much self-pity you indulge in. These terrible people that we must tolerate. These unpleasant manifestations of these inferior beings around us that we must tolerate on a daily basis. These sleeping machines all around us that we must be awake for so that they don't run into us on the roads or so that they don't do this or so they don't do that. All of this self-pitying that we have to do this because they're asleep. All that is self-pitying to say nothing of the superiority business that goes on and all that other stuff that goes on with it. Not falling into negative emotions without a struggle. Look, I'm not asking you to not fall into negative emotions. You can't. I'm not going to ask you to do what you can't do. You're going to be negative. I'm asking you not to be negative without a struggle. At least fight it a little bit. If you're going to be raped, fight it a little bit. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to just, okay, (laughs) and enjoy it. Fight it a little bit. Struggle a little bit. That's what I'm asking you to do. It's taking something from you and it's not giving anything back. Not lying to yourself. Not believing your pictures. Not believing every thought coming from negative states. When you're negative, that's the time to doubt what you think. But what do you do? Just the opposite. You're negative, you're sure that you're right. You're sure that that person has been that way all along and you're done being nice and cutting them slack and giving the benefit of the doubt. Now you know what they're really like. Those thoughts cannot be trusted. 
Those thoughts are coming from negative states. They cannot be trusted. Do not believe them. They take from you. They give nothing back to you. Well, that's not true. They're protecting me from that person being able to use me again or take from me again. No, they're not. That's a lie. And you'll have to see that on your own if you can't see it yet. When you're negative, it's no time to trust your thoughts. When you're negative, it's no time to trust your feelings about whatever it is you're negative about. It's no time to give in. When you're negative, begin to struggle. Try to get hold of the rope and pull yourself out of that sucking cesspool because that's what it is. It is sucking you down. It is sucking you down toward violence and it is draining your life force from you. Try to pull yourself up. Get any idea that you can get hold of that is connected to that rope and pull yourself up. Struggle. At least don't be sucked down anymore. At least. If you can't climb up, at least hold your ground and don't get sucked down anymore. Eventually, help will come. That means our thoughts are not trustworthy as a rule because as a rule, we're negative. So our thoughts are not trustworthy. Examples, we think we're superior. We think we're better. We think we're smarter. We think we're more awake. We think we're not as dumb. And on and on and on and on. Don't trust those thoughts. If you can't remember yourself, remember the work. Remember some work idea. Remember some idea from esoteric Christianity. Not the Christianity taught today. But I'm talking about the Christianity that Jesus taught. That Christianity. Esoteric Christianity. you, You do know that we are not taught the Christianity that Jesus taught. The Christianity that is taught in our churches today has nothing whatever to do with what was actually taught 2,000 years ago. We have scraps of it, is all we have. No one then would recognize what we are taught now. They would be absolutely appalled that it had turned into this. So remember some idea that's taught in esoteric Christianity. Remember that Gurdjieff said, and this bears remembering, that this work is esoteric Christianity. Now, you don't hear a lot of that today. Because Christianity and religion has fallen on hard times. And it's fallen on hard times because there's very little esoteric anything left in it. So it's fallen on hard times. The vampires have already, the demons, the blood-sucking demons have already sucked the life out of it. There's very little life left in it. Yet there's enough. There's enough that if you're really looking, you could find a key. Give the shock while the food is on the plate. Don't wait until it has given you a stomach ache. Don't wait until you've started to digest it and it's giving you a stomach ache and it's causing problems. When it's on the plate, give yourself the shock then. Remember yourself then before you get too deep into the identifying. Before the vampire gets his fangs too deep into your neck. While you see him coming, while he's still a way off down the road, remember yourself then and get out of there. Get your tools out. Hold up the cross. Get the holy water. Get the garlic. Whatever it is. Whatever your tools are. Get those out and use them while he's still a long way off. Not when he's got his fangs in your neck. It's harder then. Air has a stomach for digestion. It's called the lungs. That's how the body digests air. Your ordinary food has a stomach to digest, and that's your stomach. But we must create a stomach that's able to digest impressions. We cannot digest impressions until we create a stomach that can digest them. Right now, the impressions that we take in, we don't digest most of them. What happens is they just go wherever they go and they drain force however they drain force. We have nothing to do with it. We're not digesting them. We're not taking anything from them. We're not taking nourishment from them. They're taking nourishment from us. 
We must create this stomach. We must create this space where impressions can come in and we can begin to break them down and digest them and sort them out and send them to where they can nourish us spiritually, psychologically, essentially. Learn how to digest the sight of people that you don't like. Learn how to digest the sound of things that rub you the wrong way. Learn how to digest the things that irritate you. They're all impressions. The people in your life are all impressions. Learn how to digest them. They're not people. They're impressions. You are eating them. Every time that people are in your life, every time that people are in your space, every time that people are in your mind, every time that people are in your feelings, you are digesting them or they're draining your force. If you're digesting them, then they're not vampires. If you're not digesting them, they're draining your force. This can only be done consciously. This cannot be done mechanically. The difference between a man under the power of life, under the power of vampires, under the power of blood-sucking demons, and a man like Van Helsing, a man who's moving towards the conscious circle of humanity, a man who's moving toward the light, is self-remembering. That's the difference. That's the only difference. It's the most important thing you can do. Remember yourself. You were created a self-developing organism. Get used to it. This is the worst news that we get in our horrible state, is you're a self-developing organism. That's horrible news. Nobody's going to do it for you. You're not going to take some magic pill. You're not going to, somebody's not going to hit you on the head and, and suddenly you're going to swoon and wake up in heaven. It's not that way. You're a self-developing organism. You must do this. It's not going to be done for you. You may serve nature or you may serve a higher order of laws. That's your choice. You'll serve vampires or they'll serve you. Only you yourself can remember yourself. It doesn't do you any good for me to remember you. I know. I've done it on a number of occasions. How many times have I remembered you and made you aware that you were sleeping in some way and you went, oh, you're right, I was asleep. But it didn't do you any good. It doesn't do any good for me to remember you. You must remember yourself. You yourself must remember yourself. You yourself must give yourself a shock. No one, no matter how evolved can do it for you. Help comes after we give the shock, after we remember ourselves. That's when someone more evolved can do something with you. Not for you, but with you. That's when you can receive help. Once you have remembered yourself, once you've gotten yourself into the state of self-remembering, then you can receive help. Until then, forget it. It's not going to happen. Nothing can reach you. Nothing by way of help. Finally, Maurice Nicole said, if the work is still something on the blackboard and not in your most intimate thoughts, then nothing will help you. You will still be running around trying to find a bigger blackboard. And as I said, this is the big pitfall of people in the fourth way, people in esoteric anything. This is the big pitfall. Thinking that if they get another book, that if they just get some more knowledge, that if they just hear another speaker, listen to another podcast, then they're going to have more. No. If you get in the right group, if you get the right teacher, if you get with the right people, no, no, no. That's all the same thing. It's all running around looking for a bigger blackboard. That won't do it. Begin to digest what you have. Begin to work on a daily basis on the very things that are sucking your life force from you. And then you will have force to digest the impressions that come into your life and give you new meaning and give you new life. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. 
when we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.